Blog Talk Radio. And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Hour, brought to you by Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of CliffLowe.com in Scenic, New Jersey. And in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by our special guest, Heidi Holton of HeidiHolton.com in North Carolina, Bring us today's topic of the road to marriage. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Ms. Cat. Hi, Clifford. You sound bright and cheery. Yeah. I hope, you- <laughs> I hope you're preparing um, and working away at your presentation that you'll be giving at the 15th Annual Hoodoo Heritage uh, Festival in August on the 13th and 14th. Am I right? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> I'm absolutely doing that. I'm looking forward to it, and it's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Yeah, Clifford's going to be doing lodestone magic and unusual lodestone magic, and I'm really looking forward to that workshop. There's going to be 10 workshops at the festival, and um, I'm going to be giving a workshop, and uh, this um, show I may be revealing a little spell from my upcoming book that I will be giving away at the festival. I'm going to be doing a workshop on dolls and effigies in hoodoo, and um, the road to marriage is strewn with little dolls and effigies. And um, <laughs> our our guest for today, Miss um, Heidi Holton, will also be presenting at the festival. We'll get to that a little bit later. Right now I want to bring in my co-host, Conjurman. How are things with you? Things are quite well. Thanks for asking. Uh, busy and uh, enjoying Slow approaching spring weather. It seems like spring is very hesitant to spring, uh, and so we're we're just trying to uh, survive and endure. I do want to um, also uh, just give a really brief, um, I guess, shout out may not be the right word for, it, but maybe a brief commemoration of the fact that the uh, three high holy days of the Abrahamic faith and Christianity, Judaism, Islam uh, are lined up this year. This really only happens once every 30 years or so. Uh, uh, Passover and uh, Easter do because they, they run on a seasonal and slightly lunar calendar, whereas uh, Ramadan moves every few every years because it's entirely lunar. And so everyone growing up will experience a Ramadan during the fall and a Ramadan during the summer and a Ramadan during the spring. Mm-hmm. But it happens to be one of those uh, times where they've lined up. And the last time they did this was back in like 
89 or 88. So uh, commemoration and, and, and happy and blessed days uh, to all the Jewish, Christians, and Muslim friends we've got. Well, thank you. I I have to just say that um, that we had the strangest Passover ever, and mm. I well we oh, I always say that every year I go this was the strangest Passover ever, <laughs> and it this one was it was just me and Nagashiva, and we we played fast and loose with some of the traditions, but everything was there, everything was we got it all, but I ended up inventing something with the leftover haroset, which is the um, apples and walnuts and raisins and wine and pine nuts if you're Sephardic and all of that good stuff. Um, sweet dish that's a side dish. Well, it actually comes before the meal, but but you can eat it anytime you want to. And you can put horseradish with it and put it between two matzah and it's called a Hillel sandwich. But we were only two of us and we had leftover haroset and I invented haroset pie. And I'm telling mm. folks... This is something that's going to become a a, a real charmer. It's just it great. <laughs> it's, like, it's like amazing. It is. You know, it's like pie filled with apple pie filled with Manischewitz wine, Zanti currants. You know, so that was my Passover. It was really great. It was a little seder for ourselves, and we had a wonderful time. And like you, I wish happy springtime to all of the. Christians and all of the uh, Muslims and all of the bunny-venerating egg hunters. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, my fellow Jews. Um, yeah, it's just been, it, you know, and, it, and, you know, having this uh, season of celebrations come in the middle of a rather grim war is, um, yeah. well, yeah. I don't know if that happens every 30 years, too, but it happens uh, pretty frequently. That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's true. So, well, it is what it is. Um, anyway, we have today our guest, Heidi Holton. So I want to say welcome, Heidi, and um, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much. Um, it really is welcome, an honor welcome. to be here. <laughs> I've been tuning into um, this radio show for over a decade, and I am a huge fan of both of your work, so it's an honor to be here. Wow. Well, that puts us in our place on the timeline between birth and death, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been working at the Lucky Mojo Forum and sorting out old posts and there were posts from 2003, 2009, but I remember oh, wow. just like it was yesterday. I look at them and I go, oh, look, Condraman said that. Oh, look, yeah. Baby Springs yeah. said that. Um, I've been going through the forum looking for some uh, you know, good spells on dolls that were contributed by forum moderators. If you all are not familiar with the Lucky Mojo Forum and want to look at something that's decades old, check it out. It's forum.luckymojo.com. It's still active. What made me start mm-hmm. thinking about time passing, somebody posted, oh, someone told me about this forum, and I thought it would be dead, but it's still going. <laughs> I'm like, yep, <laughs> it is still it's going. So, it's so surreal to think about, too, because uh, when you say 20 years ago, I think like yeah. the 90s or 80s, like 20 years ago, and yet it's <laughs> the early 2000s, actually. But 20 That's years right. ago, it's 2022. Uh, or 20, mm-hmm. uh, 2002, and we don't quite think of it that way. In my mind still, if someone says, oh, that was 20 years old, I'm like, 
Oh, yeah, they must be thinking, talking about the 80s. They must be talking about the 90s, right? <laughs> yeah, but right. When, right. But then it clicks. You're like, holy crap, it has been 20 years. <laughs> well, Heidi, I'm glad you've listened to this show for more than a decade. The show has been going since 2004. That's wow. kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah. We don't have archived recordings of the earlier years, but we do have a good, I don't know, thousand shows more than a thousand shows i have no idea they're all archived and um you can find them at the lucky mojo forum you can just click the link and listen to them it's they're they're frozen in time frozen in uh, digital space at blog talk radio what a treasure trove (laughs) they are a treasure trove really and particularly the free spells at the end every show uh for the last i don't know mm, Eight years, maybe ten years, has had a free spell mm-hmm. at the end, and and that has been a real treasure trove because all of our guests bring a free spell, and I know you're going to bring one too, Heidi. They you, they got a free spell when they come. Well, our topic um, was brought to us by you. The guest always brings the topic, and this is um, a spell series near and dear to my heart, on the road to marriage. And uh, I loved that line. It sounds like um, a line from some sort of a Dixon Brothers or Carter family song, you know, on the rocky road to marriage. Um, maybe a <laughs> Bill Monroe song. I don't know. It has that bluegrass tinge to it. And I began thinking about how often I prescribe marriage spells to people. I know in this modern day and age, there are a lot of people who think, I can be tough, I don't need to be married, I'll raise my children out of wedlock, and oh, I hate him so much, I don't even want child support. And they're raising a disadvantaged children and living a disadvantaged life. And I find myself talking to people of all ages and saying, you know, why are you not getting married? And it turns out the most common reason to not get married is that they want some income from the state so that they can have income for their child. And if they were married, that income would go away. And I think that's like living on disability all your life. You're not, you're not growing. You're not becoming somebody. But marriage um, it can lead to a lot better life. It can lead to property ownership and um, inheritances for your children. So the... The clincher, the convincer I give people, and I'm going to tell you this before we get into the magic work. This is just, is just mundane cat, the Taurus, queen of pentacles with the money in hand. If you are married for 10 years, um, and it is legally 10 years, and your partner dies, and when um, you reach the age of getting Social Security, you will collect on their Social Security provided either you have not remarried or the person, if you divorced, that they married has predeceased you. So to give you an example, my mother and father were married for 14 years, and at the seven-year mark, I was born. And they divorced. They both remarried. My mother divorced, and my father stayed married to his wife until her death then he died and my mother collected his social security starting at the age of about 85 and wow. and this is the law 
in this world. Now, this is particularly advantageous to women because women live, on the average, seven years longer than men. So we don't want to condemn anybody's husband to die prematurely, but most women will live out seven years of their lives as widows. And if you weren't married, you could kick yourself because all that money is just going to the government to use to support wars or deforestation or oil exploration, one of the stupid things the government does, instead of supporting you. So Mm. marriage is very advantageous to women. That's my mundane advice. I've given it on this radio show before. I cannot tell it enough because it makes all the difference. And my mother graciously gave me all of that money as a gift every month because, you know, she said, well, it comes from your father, you know, and so I got that money. So it was Mm. nice. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're going to get down to the magic part. So I'm going to turn this over to Heidi. Um, let's just jump in with both feet into the spell casting for marriage. Absolutely. So I do want to say a couple of things before uh, before I get started in with the magic. I have some mundane stuff for you guys, too. Um, I have some statistics <laughs> on marriage. <laughs> And I I bring this to you because I am a 40-year-old unmarried woman who very much um, is on the road to marriage. I'm looking for my life partner. And I want to encourage those of you out there who are finding it difficult to find a life partner and a marriage partner, I want to encourage you to really approach um, this as a journey. You know, this is a road that you are on. And you can approach it either as if you are sitting in traffic bumper to bumper on the freeway, or you can approach it as if you were on a leisurely journey cross-country on Route 66. Um, My recommendation is to approach this with joy and to not have a scarcity mindset as you go into it. That being said, according to the New York Times, um, married people will soon be in the minority. Uh, marriage mm-hmm. as the prevailing ideal is losing its grip, and the stigma around being unmarried is starting to fade, um, which is both good and bad news. I think it's really good that people who choose a lifestyle that does not include marriage aren't made to feel bad. There are a lot of people that I know who are polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous, um, and, you know, this particular show is not for them, but that that being said, their lifestyle is 100% um, wonderful as well. I personally love the idea of being married. I think that marriage in and of itself is one of the most powerful magical spells that we can perform. Two souls are becoming one. People are joining together to create something out of two different parts. It's, you know, it's alchemy. It's magic. Um So all that being said, approach this with joy. I think that the number one um, mistake that people make is thinking that they're not going to find love. You're not alone if you're 40 and you're not married. There's probably nothing wrong with you. Um, But when we do approach um, finding a partner from a scarcity mindset, we set ourselves up for disappointment and we set ourselves up for the universe to not work with us. You know, mm. I I agree with you about this, and what I've noticed is particularly women in their late 30s to about the age of 50 become increasingly desperate to marry. I think the fact that marriage is in the minority can 
be um, a sad reflection of a society that's fragmenting any, for, anyway for many other reasons. Um, I could talk about rat crowding experiments until I send you all to sleep. But um, I think that overcrowding does lead to that kind of um, breakup of the behavior and low oxytocin. Uh, higher oxytocin mm-hmm. levels lead to bonding and the low oxytocin leads to higher autism and rates. There's a whole pile of information here that anybody interested in biochemistry might want to think about. Um, but I think that I see a lot of women who become desperate. And I'm here to tell you all, I got married to Nagashiva at the age of 50. Right? So all is well, you know. It's um, mm. Actually, I think I met him at the age of 50 and I married him at the age of 52. So right. um, it's... it's um, it's all there for anybody. Now, people always say, well, women want to be married more than men do. And they do have reasons for it. To raise a child requires a stable home for at least 18 years, and marriage brings stability, usually. But hmm. um, there are reasons for women who've raised their children to want to be married. They're a little bit more companionable and, than men, generally, and women have higher oxytocin levels than men, generally, which is why there are more autistic boys than girls and um, so forth and so on. And, you know, you name it, we could go into the biochemistry of it. So marriage is a finding of someone, and then also the celebration of marriage is, as you said, a magical ceremony. People, you know, post pictures on the Internet of them, you know, standing in a circle, holding a candle and all of their... But how, you know, how many think of a husband and wife, you know, holding hands as a magical ceremony? But it is. Well, I want to bring in... I want to bring in Contraman as an unmarried man. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, this is a super important topic uh, and quite relevant, as Heidi rightly pointed out. There is something happening sociologically, society-wise, when it comes to marriage, some of it quite good. I think the removal of stigma for people who choose to be unmarried is good. Uh, But I think we need to look at these statistics kind of in their historical context. The decline in marriage uh, coincides also with the decline in sex. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the sort of reality is that the generations that are younger, millennials and Gen Z, some are millennial, but Gen Z in particular, uh, are having less and less sex than the previous generations. Uh, there was something, some mm-hmm. fascinating research about how deeply unsexy uh, these younger generations are. And that's to say, ironically, they can also be quite sexually vulgar. That is, they're very open about talking about certain aspects of sexuality very publicly and in certain ways almost in crude fashion, but it's often a projection of a lack of sex in their ordinary daily lives. Right? People often talk about stupid, fear-mongering tactics about hookup culture or whatnot, which is always very silly, you know, kind of old-school people look at. Everyone looks at the younger generation like, oh, that's so weird. Every generation does that. Someday Gen Z mm-hmm. will grow up and look at Generation Alpha and be like, oh, God, what they're doing is so weird. But in actuality, we're seeing a decrease in sex, we're seeing a decrease in marriage, and this tells us that there's something happening, the inability to create bonds. And to be clear, 
I actually think that some of the stuff we talk about can apply for people who are in a polygamous and polyamorous relationships. While polygamy is perhaps not uh, legally acceptable, polyamorous relationships where you create spiritual bonds, marriage with one person and spiritual marriage with another, are, is entirely possible, and some of these practices can be applied there. So I like the idea of opening up and rethinking marriage, certainly beyond uh, a very old-school idea of, of ownership, out of an old-school patriarchal idea. But I still think that marriage is important enough as a spiritual act that we should be uh, encouraging it. And there are two rituals, I always say, are the most powerful rituals in the people's lives, and they're the rituals that no one thinks of as magical. One is marriage. Marriage is a deeply, deeply magical act, and there's amazing things that you can do to join people together, not just through candle magic or whatnot, but the marriage ceremony itself. And the other is funerals. Those are the two most powerful magical acts that happen in every society that's often not thought of as magical. The funeral is the act of ghost laying, of putting someone to rest. Um, but also healing mm-hmm. and creating the bonds of the afterlife, while marriage is about joining two people together. Oh, or more, right? <laughs> people have complicated lives. The good thing now is that people are getting married a little bit later, which I think that is one positive attribute. Uh, marriage a little bit later can be a good thing. You're generally in a different state uh, of your life, if you're getting in your mar- married in your 30s rather than married in, say, your late teens, you're in a different state. Um, but it also is also a reflection of the fact that we are living in weird and funky times. The reason people are getting married late and the reason why some people aren't getting married is that we're living through a societal collapse of sorts, right? The environment looks the way that it does, our politics looks the way that it does, and our economy works, looks the way that it does. So most people are throwing themselves in a chance to find a career or job, which means that they often put love aside. And I'm here to tell you that you don't need to play the game of this or the other, that you can have it all, you can have your cake and eat it too. In voodoo, there is this idea that being in a blessed state is not just a spiritual manifestation. You're not in the state of being a fakir, where you're out and living onto the streets, but you're spiritually enlightened. Uh, but being blessed means that you also have material satisfaction, that you are loved and adored, and you're in a committed relationship, and you have material success. And so I always encourage clients, um, date, have fun, do, you know, meet as many people, but always think of dating not just as, oh, this must lead to marriage, but as genuinely trying to learn about people, to build intimate connections. And that can mean, you know, a, a different person a night, whatever works for you. It doesn't have to necessarily mean that you date only for the purposes of marriage, but I tell people date for the purposes of intimacy. Because once we reintroduce intimacy in people's lives, then we start to rethink marriage and we reintroduce marriage and we start to work towards marriage as a journey. It's the lack of intimacy in our lives that I think has killed in many ways our opportunity for marriage. And so one of the things that I tell people is things like sugar jars and honey jars early on, even when you're just starting to date, even if you're not like, okay, this is the person I'm going to get married to, I've decided right away. But you want to sweeten, you want to open the heart up very early. We enter into our relationships with such a closed heart nowadays. Entering it in with an open heart, both yourself and your partner. There's hesitancy there. 
open the roads of communication, open the hearts for affection and love, and see where it leads you. If you find out that this isn't the person you want to marry, then you can separate in happy ways and find somebody else. But sweetening jars early on. Don't use sweetening jars as a reactionary tool. That's something that you do only when things go wrong. Start them early on. That's my first strategy. Start sweetening jars very early on. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to go back up before that. And and I just want to say something. You're right. Many people use sugar jars and honey jars in a reactionary way. They've begun to fight with their boyfriend or whatever. And that's not the best way to do it. But I want to go back further to attraction spells. So let's, Mm, you know, this is a journey and I want to start at milestone one. Um, So um, I like to use white candles um, to attract an unknown lover. And um, I often use a figural candle, um, Mm. but that's I'm a pretty literal-minded person. Um, But just a plain, um, that will work too. I tend to not use glass jar candles for this kind of work because I want to tend to them by hand um, once a day. And the thing about vigil lights is they keep the vigil for you. And there are attraction Mm. vigil candles and there are marriage vigil candles, no question about it. But when trying to draw somebody in, I like to light small candles. And um, Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example, a white candle. You can um, uh, put a petition under it um, asking for, you know, may I meet my husband and know him when I meet him. I meet Mm -hmm. my future husband and know him when I meet him. And then set that candle in the windowsill at dusk and as if it were a, a little beacon, a little light to let that person come in. And you can just make a little space where it can be seen and keep a vigil by actually keeping that vigil every mm. evening. Okay? So... Um, what you dress it with, of course, will vary based on what you're interested in. Um, and, uh, you know, you can do attraction um, oil. You could do come-to-me oil, marriage oil, blessing oil. They're very, you know, clarity so that you can see the person better. There are many types of, of oils that can be blended for this um, thing, lodestone. You can make more of the spell if you want to. You could put um, a pair of lodestones with it. And, um, you know, where you do the spell where you take the two lodestones that are a bit far apart, you move them closer and closer and closer as each night you light a different candle. When you go to the point where you think you have somebody that you know is going to be marriage prospect, you can change to a pink candle for friendship and then to a red candle for sexuality, but usually you would go back to a white candle for the wedding because that's the embarkation on a new cycle, and the new cycle you would want a white candle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, nice. if, if for instance, I started off with white bride and groom candles, went to pink, went to red, and then when Shiva and I got married, um, we had little saucers with white bride and groom candles, and um, Everyone lit them and they they held them as we walked down to the uh, down the aisle. 
And mm. so there was the whole the whole gathering, everyone holding these white bride and groom candles with little flaming heads. It was, and they were all singing, going to the chapel by the Dixie Cups. It was pretty good. <laughs> but they became they became part of my spell without knowing it. You see. Oh, that's really cool. So that's, can I, I love that. Can I take us back even further? Can I take us back to when we're packing our car and when we're gassing up at the gas station? Because I believe that even before we start doing these attraction spells, which we absolutely need to do, I think there's three important steps that we need to take first. Um, if we're starting to get married later in life, obviously we've been around the block a couple of times. We've um, dated multiple people. We might have had our heart broken. We need to heal from those past relationships. Um, we need to do some cleansing work. We need to, um, you know, do some bathing, do some spiritual um, baths. I know, Conjurman, you have a really beautiful milk and honey bath that I've heard you recommend a number of times. Um, can you remind me what's in that? Yeah, so I do a love uncrossing, which involves uh, rue and agrimony brewed into a tea with lavender to heal the heart, uh, and then it's added to a uh, bath, a warm bath that you've drawn for yourself. Add a couple, add a little bit of milk, a couple drops of honey, and then let yourself soak in that. So it's a love uncrossing working. That's so, so what beautiful. Again, I love so what, that. So it's it's milk, honey, violet leaves. Going to tell them again, lavender. Yeah, violet leaves, rue, and agrimony. So uncrossing and healing the heart. Oh, I don't know where I got lavender. Uh, agrimony. Okay, thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. so beautiful. I do I do a very simple one that's similar to that without the milk and honey. It's agrimony, hyssop, and rue. And, you know, when people are healing from the past, you know, healing, healing from negativity, I think it's really nice just to get that off of you so that when you're out there going to start doing attraction spells, you're not holding on to anything from the past. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm, yeah, I was going to say something about the need for love uncrossing. I don't know that everyone needs love uncrossing. It depends yeah. on how traumatized you've been. So now we're going to go back. We started in the middle. Now we're going to go back even further. You might need to start with a cut and clear. You might need to start with a cut and clear spell um, to remove the um, connection you had to your ex. Um, Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So it is a rocky road. It's a rocky road. It is, and I don't think everyone needs love on crossing. I don't think everyone needs uh, cut and clear, though they can be very useful. It doesn't hurt to do them either. So uh, if someone's like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm crossed in love. I'm not sure if I'm too hard. You could still do these without being like, oh, my God, I've doomed myself because I've gotten out mm-hmm. of order. I didn't need it. These are helpful working <laughs> that can still be useful in your life, even if, necessarily, for example, you haven't fallen into a pattern where you only attract really horrible partners that are, you know, exploitative or emotionally unavailable. Those would be the times where you might do like a love and crossing. So I, I will not. And I think that I think that's uh, increasingly common. I mean, it can be, it can be. Not everyone has a horrible, you know, experiences, but certainly I think uh, cut and clear, if not necessarily love and crossing, I think cut and clear can be really useful because it's part of the healing process, the ability to kind of move on. But people can ask themselves, you know, and you can also alter the love uncrossing a little bit and still do the milk and honey bath, which say rather than 
uh, rue and agrimony, you can just use violet leaves that you've brewed into a tea, mixed with the milk and honey. And that's also a really great way to heal the heart and help you heal from a breakup, which everybody experiences, but not necessarily a love uncrossing. But then again, you can love uncross and it's not going to hurt you. It'll only, it'll be totally fine. So I think these are really great introductory steps. However, I refuse to go back any further. <laughs> I will keep <laughs> us stepping backwards. The tourist in me is like, that's it. We've hit middle ground. Let's go forward. So I will talk about uh, how to really build a step-by-step approach for marriage. So I mentioned, for example, uh, sugar working. Well, you can do something before that and bring them together to really work towards marriage or towards the path of marriage. Start with an actual rose. So get a full rose with a nice on a stem get it live, one with thorns on it. And what you're going to do is sitting on a Friday, you are going to sit and think about what it is you want in a relationship. And as you do so, you're going to start to remove the thorns one by one. So this is, as you do this, you're going to say, I remove all the brambles, all the pain, all the obstacles, everything that stands in my way, all the hesitation and the doubt that stands in my way from finding love. And you're going to remove it bit by bit. It is a magical, intentional act. You are going to dry out the rose. You're going to dry it out until you've got some dried rose petals. When you've got the dried rose petals, you're going to take a paper and write down what it is you're looking for in a partner. You should list their qualities, their characteristics. This should be a meaningful list. You can also just write very clearly and bluntly, my future husband, my future wife, my perfect partner, my amazing lover, whatever it is that intentionally gets it. You can totally write that. If you're one of those people that doesn't want to be very specific and very open, that's perfect. So you write that. You're going to then fold this up, place it on a uh, piece uh, on a in a plate. On this plate, you are going to put sugar and the dried roses. You're going to place it on top of it, and for three days, you will pray over this mixture. You will pray over this mixture that wherever your potential partner and lover is, they will come to you and come to you sweetly and quickly. And then you're going to take a small handful or pinch of this and mix it with come to me sachet powders. You're going to go to the nearest crossroads and sprinkle the sugar, rose petals, and sachet powders at the four corners of the crossroads and then walk it back to your home. When I mean walk it back, what I mean is that at the crossroads leading to your house, you're just going to sprinkle a pinch until you come to your doorstep. You're going to sprinkle the last remnant of it onto the doorstep. When this partner arrives, when this person arrives, you will take the remaining mixture of the rose petals and the sugar without the sachet. The sachet was separate. You're going to take the rose petals and the sugar and uh, you're going to add a little bit of magnolia leaf to this. Place it into a jar with your photos uh, or personal concerns. You're going to place that into a jar and you're going to shake it up to keep your partner sweet to you, to make them open towards you, and when you're ready to take the next step, open the jar up, take a little bit of this sugar, and feed it to them. Put it in their food, put it in their coffee, put it in their tea, put it in the baked goods that you give it them. And what this does is it builds that journey towards marriage. It draws them from wherever they are in the four corners of the world, walks them into your home, keeps them sweet in the jar, and then works on their very heart and soul 
through their stomach. So step-by-step leading you to a marriage. Wow, that's really a good one. Um, How about you, Heidi? Do you have uh, another one you can share? Um, Yes, I do. So um, I want to talk a little bit about some things that we can do um, to make us an attractive partner, to make us desirable to our perfect partner. So, you know, by this point in the game, we've made our list, we've looked at all of the qualities that we're looking for, and now I suggest doing a little bit of prosperity work, doing a little bit of work for communication, um, doing some, um, you know, attraction work on your own self so that you become the type of partner you want to attract. So, you know, take a look at your finances. If you're, if one of the qualities on your list for your partner is to have someone who is financially stable, you want to make sure that you are on the same page so that you're evenly yoked. You know, you're not going to want to marry someone who is in a ton of debt or has no credit. Um, so look at your finances. This could be a time to start doing some money drawing for yourself. Um, If you're looking for a partner who's a good communicator, you might want to start working on yourself with deer's tongue. Um, Learn a little bit about love languages and how to speak them all. Um, And just kind of get yourself fit as a partner. Um, This could mean um, doing some work on your physical appearance. You can do some glamour magic. You can do some, you know, just mundane stuff like maybe working out or updating your wardrobe. Um, All of these things that are going to make you an attractive partner because what the universe ends up sending you, you know, when you are trusting in what God is going to bring you, they're going to bring you someone who you're evenly yoked with. So you want to make sure that you possess all of the qualities on that list for your perfect partner. That's a really good um, point. I find that um, both men and women um, ask for some sort of a perfect partner when they themselves make no attempt to meet that perfection. They want a strong, muscular, buff man, but they weigh 300 pounds and are out of shape. Or they want that you know, beautiful woman with the flawless skin and slender but with a big bosom, and they're just a pot-bellied beer drinker. And so this is important that you do find someone who is easily... Um, made into a marriage partner because the two of you have um, similar qualities. I would add to this also similar interests so that if you're interested in hiking and um, you you don't you know meet up with someone who's not interested in hiking. If you like music, you should find someone who you know at least can sing if not have a really professional interest or a strong interest in music. If you like uh, having pets, you're going to want somebody who is good with animals. So those are the things that you know about yourself and that you can begin to ask the universe for. I'm going to uh, bring in um, a, an idea for a spells that I have used before, and these are bridal cake toppers. So these Ooh. are little bride and groom, yeah, little bride and groom figures that um, often with you know. Uh, oh, like netting, or they might have little pearls, or they might have little artificial silk flowers around them, or wedding bells. They come in all different types. Some of the early ones were made of um, chalkware, painted chalkware. Some were made of bisque porcelain or highly uh, fired porcelain. Some of them are even made of paper mache, some of the really old ones. And 
what I like to use, and I know this, and of course they're made of plastic nowadays. What I like to use is a cake topper that has been used in a marriage. In other words, don't go to the cake supply shop and buy a Mm. virgin cake topper. You want a cake topper Mm. that actually sat on someone's um, wedding cake. And I have bought these at eBay. I buy one every year for Nagashivas and my marriage, and we were married on uh, December 31st, January 1st of 2000. So we keep cupboards filled with these cake toppers. And it's so interesting to buy them on eBay or at Etsy. But I like that eBay is like, you know, you just, if you if you don't get that one, there'll be another. But I've actually had them come sometimes with a piece of dried cake wrapped up mm. with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, how and, cool. And the people's names um, on a piece of, you know, adhesive white bandage tape. The people wrote their names um, in ink pen and then put it underneath. Now, these cake toppers come in a couple of types. Some of them are flat on the bottom, but many of them are, um, they they sit on a little platform. And the platform usually has a sort of a lacy or something sort of a border. If they are the kind that are uh, on a platform that has a little little legs or something like that, you can put what you want underneath it. If not, you can put what you want either among the couple or just dust it lightly. So you can use, for instance, marriage sachet and just put a little bit in your hand and blow it onto the marital couple. Um, If they had their names on it, and that's what's so lovely, if they did have their names, you can add your names. Now, you can even look these people up, and I've done it. So now you can look them up in the Social Security Death Index, and you find out how long they were married, when they died. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, you find, oh, they were married for 43 years and, and so forth and so on, and they're buried in the same plot in the cemetery. So now mm. their cake topper is a link to their spirits. And mm-hmm. it's also a doll or effigy of them and their marriage. So oh. I work with these extensively as doll baby magic, and not just symbolic of marriage, but symbolic of a long marriage. Now that I've revealed this, everyone's going to be haunting eBay looking for vintage <laughs> <laughs> cake toppers. And as as time has um, gone by, um, I used to abjure plastic ones. Oh, I don't want a plastic cake topper. I only want the real painted chalkware. But I have found, of course, as time has gone on, it was, we were talking earlier in the show, 20 years ago, <laughs> it isn't all that long. And um, you'll find plastic ones that are just lovely. Mm. Um, they, um, As far as appearance, the earliest ones tended to be Anglo-Saxon looking. And you would find them uh, painted brown, hand-painted brown to show black people. And I bought one, and someone said it was a racist caricature, but it wasn't. They had just simply taken brown paint and painted it because there were no brown or black-skinned cake toppers available in the 19-teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And up until the mid-70s, 80s, then they began to make them. So if you find one of those beautiful hand-painted ones that's been altered, that's a Hmm. lovely thing, too, because you know that whoever put that cake together cared enough to make a statement about who those people were and what they looked like. Hmm. 
Oh, that's so, beautiful, um, yeah. Yeah, cake toppers tell a lot. Now you can buy, you know, black, Latino, anything. I mean, there's, you know, there's Asian. Mm-hmm. And they'll make the same um, ones with slightly different molds. And you can um, buy any type. And they also make combinations. And they also make cake toppers with two men and two women. And if that's what you're looking for, then, then you have, will probably have to get an, a new cake topper because it uh, was illegal to celebrate a man and a man or a woman and a woman marrying um, back in the old days. And they also make cake toppers which don't have people on them. It might be two cats. It might be two dogs. And those Mm. are interesting as well, especially if you want to breed your cat or breed your dog. So that's my little thing on cake toppers as magic uh, doll spells. And I'll be talking very, more about very doll cool. spells in the book I'm working on. Yeah, that's yes, super, and super the cool. I love that. And, uh, Nagashiva reminds me of the bunnies. Um, there's a whole set of Royal Dalton ceramic figures called bunnykins, and they're bunnies doing various um, occupations and events of their lives. And there is a marital bunnykin, Royal Dalton, <laughs> and um, and it is um, it is well. My husband and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> how I've, cute I've is big... that? How how appropriate for today too, it being Easter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I didn't. I to be honest, because I, I in my culture we don't have a lot of cake toppers. I haven't really thought of cake toppers that way. But now I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. There is something similar I've done, but not with cake toppers, and that's with the whatever sweetness is at the marriage. So the idea of linking to a previous marriage or a successful marriage or go capturing the spirit of a wedding is found kind of ubiquitously across cultures. Most weddings will have some type of sweetness. And I'm not just talking about the cake, but I'm talking about candy that's given out, whether it's sugared almonds or candied almonds oh. or whether it's chocolates or whatnot. If you feed that to a potential partner, that's a really powerful way of doing a similar, less permanent and less less enduring, which I really love Kat's way of working, but it's a similar way of linking to the spirit of that wedding or marriage. This is also built into the wedding itself. The original purpose of uh, including sweets in a wedding is to ensure that the couple has sweetness in their life as they start their journey together, but also to share that sweetness. You take the sweetness of that wedding and you take it home. So there's whole traditions about, you know, catching the bouquet and one all about passing on, if you will, <laughs> weddings and excuse me, <clears throat> weddings and marriages, and sweetness works in that way. So if there's chocolate that's being handed out or candy that's being handed out at the wedding, take that with intent and use that to pass on the blessings of that particular wedding or marriage into your own life. Feed it to your potential partner. Yeah, wow, and uh, that's, that's, great. that's really good. Um, Jordan almonds are, are an old um, wedding favor, and yeah. they come out of um, Jewish tradition, and they're used against the evil eye because the almond is eye-shaped, and the idea is that no one should look upon the wedding with jealousy, so everyone eats an almond. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Um, the idea of saving wedding cake is really great, and Cliff Lowe said something mm-hmm. in the chat. He said, let me add my own minor contribution. I don't think it's minor. I think it's a really important one. Anoint an antique wedding or engagement ring with attraction oil or marriage oil. So, again, this can be an antique. They did not 
necessarily come from your family, but it could have come from your family. Many people um, pass along a wedding ring. Um, you know, a widow, for instance, will give her wedding ring to her daughter-in-law or sometimes to her daughter to wear. Mm. And it's this is quite common in certain families. In other families, it's unheard of, but this is a really lovely way to work. But what Cliff talks about can also be taken from the idea that I proposed, which is using the the cake toppers of other people. And so these would be the antique wedding or engagement ring of other people, which you would enchant, and um, you can wear them. This also comes brings to mind the kladak or heart and crown and hand ring, which when mm. worn facing one way shows that you're available and when facing the other way shows that you're taken. And you can read about that in our book, um, uh, How to Use Amulets, Charms, and Talismans in the Hoodoo and Conjure Tradition, which I made with um, Gregory Lee White, Papa G. And that Kladak hmm. um, uh, ring is and is just a fantastic way to draw someone and attract them because if you wear that ring, you're saying, I'm available. And anyone who knows it will understand that. So those are, again, some of the wonderful ways to work. Certainly being the one who catches the garter or catches the bouquet hmm. is... Um, very important, and the throwing of the garter and the throwing of the bouquet uh, is often sort of prearranged. I'll throw it your way. They don't want someone else, you know, reaching up and doing a football tackle and snatching that bouquet out of the <laughs> sky. But I've seen it happen, actually, not in my life, but on YouTube. There's some really bizarre, you know, I guess they had a few to drink, and, and um, these women just jumping over each other to get the bouquet. That's that too funny. A, a piece of valuable magical artifact. Okay. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, and um, so the the um, the catching the garter is also interesting because although the garter is used to hold up a stocking or something like that, it's actually a a I could it's call it a a clothing perversion of a menstrual pad. It was originally the garter it, that guarded you from dripping blood all over, right? And so it then became um, the idea of the garter is holding up the stockings. And so throwing the garter is is very ancient because it really means a couple of things. Number one, if you're a virgin, you will bleed you often, a little bit if, when the hymen is penetrated, when you have sex for the first time. And also, if you get pregnant, you will stop your periods. And so you don't need a garter, so you throw the garter. Hmm. Oh. oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I tell clients is to gather, particularly if you're ready to get married and you want to give your partner a nudge, that happens. Mm-hmm. Now, we get quite a few clients that do that. Not all clients are like uh, starting from scratch. Sometimes they've been with a partner for ages, and they're like, I'm ready to get married, but Slowpoke is dragging their feet. They're mm-hmm. taking a little bit too long. So how do, you, how do I get them or encourage them to finally pop the question or kind of lead me down that path? I tell them to gather the dirt from uh, a marriage ceremony. And then mix it mm-hmm. with the foot track of your partner so that it 
leads them step by step to emerge. Now, it's not enough to just go to, say, a wedding chapel and gather the dirt there or go to a mosque or a synagogue or whatnot. That's just leading them to a religious service. So that's not necessarily enough. You want to attend an actual wedding. So you want to be at a wedding, whether it's a, you go to a wedding chapel or a wedding at a particular religious place, or it's a wedding outdoors, wherever it is, you gather the dirt there because the dirt now has captured the spirit of that wedding or marriage. And then you make sure that you sprinkle that dirt and mix it into their foot tracks so that their steps lead them to marriage. And, you'll, and it works. They're very easy working, but you generally will start seeing them in like almost within a matter of days start thinking about, should I pop the question? What should I do? What are the plans I should make? So it's a really subtle way of, of giving a person a nudge when you're ready and they've been waiting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to um, go a little bit deeper. There are um, spells that are done in the Jewish tradition to get a marriage that involves making a labyrinth design or a maze of the text from the Song of Solomon, um, the part that has the the phrase, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. But it's a longer piece. You can see a, a medieval or Renaissance version of that in my book, Paper in My Shoe. And it's called the marriage puzzle or the marriage task. And you can actually just make a photocopy of the one I put in there. It comes from an old, old book on um, German uh, folk magic. And so this is a German-Jewish way of working. And you will make this um, maze, and then you trace it um, and say, this is, the, this is the road to marriage. And at the end, you come to this little enclosed space in the maze. And that is how you get married. It's a magical work. Wow. So, yeah. Any others that come to mind? That's a very cool. <laughs> oh, we got, we, I mean, there's, <laughs> I don't want to dominate by just throwing out yeah, one after another to, after another, say, but I've got I've a million of so them. Much. Yeah, I like I've, I've talked so much. I want to make sure Heidi has an opportunity to share as well. <laughs> Oh, no, thank you. This has been, no, this has been so informative. Um, I feel like I learn so much every time I listen to this show, and it's just such a pleasure to be on it. Um, I would like to go back to um, something that Conjurman Ali broke up, or brought up, broke up. Is that a Freudian slip? Something that Conjurman Ali brought up, which is starting your starting your sweetening before things turn sour, and I think that that's really important. And it's important it's important to note that you know the road to marriage is a journey, but marriage, like the actual day, the wedding day, is not the destination. Once you are married, you're going to have to continue that sweetening. You're going to have to continue to be on good behavior, you know, working towards making that union promising. So you know, doing your doing your sugar jars, doing your honey jars, bathing together, using fire of love, um, keeping that romance alive, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, keeping romance alive is really an important part of sex magic. And um, I'm going to again recommend another book that I've written. I sound like a broken record here. But I wrote a book <laughs> called Down Home Sex Magic. And a great part of it is about 
keeping romance alive and having a good marriage. It's not so much about finding that marriage, but having that sexually entrancing marriage. Now, you know, something, again, that Conjurement said we have to sort of circle around to, which is that it's been shown, and it is shown, that through statistics, that people are having sex much less often than they did mm. 20, mm-hmm. 60 years ago. Male sperm count is down dramatically. Just look it up online. It's like crashing. Fertility problems are rising rapidly. Um, Donor-conceived children are becoming more the norm, but then that has to do with male sperm failure a lot. There is also higher rates of female infertility, but not for the reason there used to be, which is the most common when I was young was gonorrhea, untreated gonorrhea would use lead to a blockage of the fallopian tubes. Now it's much more common to have polycystic ovary syndrome. So what we're seeing are some hormonal cues that our species um, has hit a wall in terms of misuse of our lovely natural environment. So mm. another thing, going back to the mundane, that I'd like to talk about is eat natural foods. Do not use plastic containers. The mm-hmm. um, the phytoestrogens in soy are bad enough. Try to avoid too much. Soy is a great source of protein. My opinion, don't bother. Just eat some fish, for God's sake. But um, but if you, I mean, soy is okay, but just everything soy, no. That's not a great substitute because it's phytoestrogens. It can unbalance your hormones. And then the other thing is plastic. These plasticizers that you use to make squeezy plastic or you know plastic that's not hard uh, mimic estrogens, and they are um, really deadly to the reproductive system, in my opinion. And so always remember, um, try to live as natural a life as possible. And I'm going to say one more spell before we go, and that is um, the concept of masturbating um, and calling in your lover uh, while reaching orgasm. I think it's one of the most important spells that few people want to talk about. Um, I call it, um, this is dedicated to the one I love. And it is um, <laughs> one of the simplest spells to do. Um, if you don't masturbate, you may not be ready for marriage because you may not be sexually tuned up. You could marry another asexual. Certainly asexual people marry one another. But Try to find someone whose sexual frequency rate is the same as yours. Look at yourself fearlessly. Do I like sex once a week, once a month, never, whatever it is, once a day? And then ask the universe to send you a person with the same sex frequency that you have because if they don't have the same sex frequency, it's not going to work out as a marriage. Whew. All right. A lot mm, of advice, wise advice crammed into a small space. <laughs> All right. Let's turn this over to Clifford Lowe for uh, our next segment. This program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forest Hill, 
California and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client. Here is Lainey calling from area code 224. Lainey, are you there? I am here. I am here. You asked her. Uh, you had a question about the advisability of pursuing another marital relationship and a way forward. Turning it over to you, Miss Cat. Okay. Well, I'm not sure I understood what that was. A question about the advisability of pursuing another marital relationship. In other words, Lainey, you have been married in the past. Yes, I have, and uh, At, went for. Oh, sorry, go on. And you're single now. Yes, I am. May I ask what your sign of the zodiac is? Uh, my sun sign is Aquarius, uh, Virgo moon, and Pisces rising. Oh, interesting. It's so nice to talk with you, Lainey. This is I people don't know this, but I know Lainey <laughs> and have known Lainey for a long several time. Several people over there do. <laughs> Very old friend. Um and an old friend of Clifford and yeah, nice to nice to hear from you, Lainey. So Aquarius, um and you said Virgo rising. Those are Virgo difficult moon. Virgo moon, oh excuse me. Yes, and Pisces, Pisces rising. rising. So there's the conflict. The Pisces rising wants romance and love, but the Aquarian sun and the Virgo moon do quite well as a single woman. And so th- I'm not going to read your entire chart, but that's you can if you look at that and you know enough to know your various signs, you can see why there is a bit of a of a, a stress there between the two sure ideas. All right, well, I'm going to do your first reading. Okay. Oh, I do have another question. How long have you been single? Uh, I have been, well, I've been married twice. My last marriage ended, with the the divorce was official in 2009. Uh, I've dated off and on a bit, and during the pandemic, I sought some male companionship, and he was very good for companionship, not marriage material, and that's kind of wound down. So, but you know, I realized that I really did like having male companionship, and I wouldn't mind a partnership again. Mm-hmm. Um, my life is a good one; I wouldn't mind sharing it. Lainey, how right. old are you, if you don't mind me asking, roughly? Uh, I'm 53. Thanks. So, so um, here we have a. Um, uh, the first card is called the Three of Wands that I pulled here. The Three of Wands shows the magician with his back turned toward us having cast a spell, and he's looking out over a bay of water at golden sunset, and his clothes have become torn and patched. In other words, he cast his spell, and if you know the magician card, it's a card of sexual union, and it's a card of... Um, power sex, sex magic power and he's cast a spell or she has um but is now waiting for the results 
So every time I get the three of wands, I always, you know, thumb through the deck and I put the magician up above it going, this is where that person started and this is where they are now. So the patching of the clothes means that time has passed, but it's very um, artistic and nicely patched. So the person has not lost heart or hope. Looking out over the bay, there are three ships coming in just at sunset. So this means it will take a little time. It's a card of delay. Um, I sometimes call it the three-week, three-month, three-year, you pick it, delay. But there is a delay here of three-somethings, and it can be a bit of time. So be patient. But this says to me that you will have... Um, the ships will come in. Actually, three ships come in, so you may have three choices. Um, this person in this card is patient. They know their spell works. So when you go back and look at the magician card, that recommends that you have to start with a magical act. And if you look above, there's the roses and um, and then below the roses and lilies. Now, the roses stand for sexual love, and the lilies stand for more intellectual love or for children, one or the other. But it's it's a, not a sexual, uh, specifically sexual bond. So it says that using sex magic to achieve a more fully rounded relationship that includes sex and intellect or planning or children or whatever it is you wish. And also the magician has four elements on the table, which are earth, air, fire, and water, the wand, the sword, the cup, and the uh, coin. So do your magic. The second card I have here is a card that says the biggest problem facing you is the queen of swords. Now, this is the card of an air sign woman, which is what you are, an air sign woman of maturity and responsibility. And she's alone on her throne, holding her sword up, and she's beckoning someone to come to her. Beckon, you know, she beckons with her hand. She has a little prayer bracelet on, but she holds her sword, and so she protects herself very well. Overhead, she has one lone bird flying. And she also has waxing and waning moons. She has a little zephyr with winged um, head, a little spirit of air. And she has butterflies on her crown. Uh, which stand for for transient thoughts, and she has butterflies on her throne. This is the biggest problem with this card, and when the card is in the um, poker deck or whatever, it's the queen of spades, which is usually called a solitary woman, a widow, or a spinster. The problem is that you are too self-sufficient, and um, and you... Um, you need to kind of relax a little bit if you really want someone to come. She's beckoning, but that sword says the only people she will allow into her life are those that are upright, honest, and true, but that may discard a lot of people. So it's a it's an interesting card. Um, it doesn't say you will fail to attract a marriage partner, but it says make sure that you do make yourself beckon to others. If you don't, if you just are the lady holding the sword, you're going to be very lonely. And so beckon and and uh, and call to someone or to many people. And the third card is a trump card, and this is the card of strength. And so here we have a lady and a lion. So... Um, she is taming this lion. She has roses on, much like the magician had all those roses. She has an infinity symbol over her, like the magician. 
So here we are looking at an evenly matched pair of magical people. She's petting the lion. The lion is um, kind of licking her wrist, and she's she's soothing it. There's a volcano behind her that's not erupting, which means no anger, no outbursts of temper. And this is to me that you will find someone. They may be a fire sign. They might even be a Leo, but they they may be a fire sign. But I would say that in the relationship, you will be the more dominant, that you will be the comforter and encourager. And that's how I how I read this. Um, I would go ahead with it, but be sure that that Queen of Swords, that you do actually open up in a friendly way. Use that Pisces um, rising to be poetic and attractive. Okay, So um, let's, let's turn this over um, to Heidi, and she's going to do the second reading. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so um, I drew some cards that say a very similar, they paint a very similar picture to the one that Miss Kat painted. Um, my first card is the Magician. This is a very promising card. Um, I think that you have the power of manifestation. The things that you want are things that you can get. Um, I think that if you want um, another marriage, if you want love in your life, it's going to be very easy for you to achieve this. You have all of the tools. You have all of the past knowledge or life skills from your previous marriage um, really on your side here. You've learned life lessons, and you can carry these forward into a new relationship and manifest that relationship of your dreams. The next card I drew is the temperance card. Um, and this is just a little bit of a, um, you know, you're going to need to be patient. Just as Miss Kat said, it could take some time. In the temperance card, it shows an angel pouring water um, to and from each glass. And in the distance, there is a long and winding path up a mountain that leads to a beautiful sunrise. Um, so I think that this is definitely like a bright start, a new beginning, um, absolutely an attainable goal. Um, my final card is the King of Wands reversed. Um, my caution for you would be to not, um, not set your expectations so high for another person. Not that I think you're a picky person, um, but I think that sometimes um, we have to give other people grace. Um, and just keep that in mind. Um, don't make impulsive decisions as you're dating. Um, don't be hasty in your judgment, um, and just, you know, be confident that I think you have all the tools that it's going to take, but it could take some time. Okay. Thank you. So what was that third card that you had? The It was the King, the king of Wands reversed. Ah, King of Wands reversed. I see. Yeah. So, um, that kind of, I'm going to say something here because I do have a we have a minute here to talk just a second. The King of Wands reverse. The King of Wands is considered the most passive king, and so that kind of goes along with that card of strength. Um, and mm. it says again that you may be the dominant one in the relationship. Um, that's what I have there. And mm. the King of Wands is also indicates a fire sign. Ah. Mm-hmm. So let's pass this along to Contraman and see what he has to say. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Kat. I think you've gotten some fantastic readings here. If I can just ask you real quick, Lainey, 
Um, sure. Do you know where your Jupiter is? Is your Jupiter in Libra or Virgo? Uh, my Jupiter, I could actually look it up right now. I I just I just want to make sure. I I think it is in in Libra, but I want to just double okay. check if you don't mind. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, you can do it as a. The reason I ask is because you. Um, the timing that you talked about is roughly right after a Jupiter return. You kind of go to a Jupiter return in your 48. And whenever that happens, there's a sort of new cycle that emerges in a person's life. So that coincides a little bit with you uh, restarting to rethink once the pandemic hits. And so I just did some backwards calculation. I wonder how that looks like it's going to be Virgo is going to be Libra um, is where Jupiter is. But that's important to know because Jupiter is doing some interesting things right now. It just transited. So once the pandemic started and you were like, maybe I should have some companionship here, Jupiter was transiting your Aquarius sun. So there was that Jupiter. And now that Jupiter is in your Pisces rising. So it's so there's some interesting things that oh, Jupiter yeah. is doing here. And, and so the reason I bring this up is in traditional uh, astrology, is Venus is the planet of love, but Jupiter is the planet of marriages. It's the planet mm-hmm. of partnerships. It's in the Roman times, quite literally, people uh, got married under the auspices of Jupiter, of the Jupiter stone, right? So this is mm-hmm. it. So we're seeing some interesting things. I'm sorry, say that again? Yeah, it, it, it is in Libra. It is in Libra. I just it is in Libra. Check. Okay. I was just okay. making sure my yeah. calculation was right. Yeah, yeah. So it is in mm-hmm. Libra. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, and that yeah. tells me. Yeah, and so that, that's what we're seeing a little bit of what's happening here is that Jupiter's doing something kind of interesting here. Uh, Jupiter in Libra is in your natal chart and now have moved in from your sun sign to your ascendant and it's transiting through that. Meanwhile, Venus, the planet of love, is also in Pisces there and she's exalted. And so that's why these things are percolating. So once the um, uh, pandemic happened, that's the Jupiter in your sun sign. That's in Aquarius. You start to rethink being the loner Aquarius, right? And now it's the yeah. Pisces, and you're now asking for insight. You've quite literally reached out to readers. So we're seeing that here. These transits matter. Why do they matter? Because Jupiter is in a really good place. Venus is in a good place. So this is a great time to be doing some type of love magic, be doing some type of magic to draw for yourself the partner that you're looking for. And I'm going to really play and tap into that uh, Queen of Swords because I think that's a really powerful card. And we're going to talk about beckoning someone to you. So what I want you to do is take a piece of paper and write down what it is you're looking for in a partner. Be as realistic and idealistic. Find a nice balance. So don't don't approach this as just sort of a pragmatic. Oh, he needs to be six three, and he needs to. But also uh, have some idealism thrown into it. He should sweep me off my feet, or I should be in a partnership where I feel safe and loved and worshipped and adored. Meaningful characteristics. That doesn't mean that the physical is unimportant, but may write it in meaningful ways. So when someone says six three, I'm like right tall. Having a specific height requirement is less meaningful and often doesn't appear or manifest in the way that you hope, but writing that I prefer someone who's taller than me or someone who's tall because you're sexually attracted mm-hmm. to tall people is perfectly legit. So I tell people that's totally fair. In the same way that rather than say I need my partner to be a multimillionaire, you write I want my partner to be financially wealthy and generous, right? The slight differences of what's a meaningful characteristic and what's not. So write down what you're looking for in a person. You're going to fold this up and place it on your altar or surface that you're going to be doing this work. And then on top of this, you're going to put a sensor or a thermal or some type of heat-proof bowl. You're going to get 
come to me incense and you're going to mold it into this little cone, place it into this heat proof bowl, into that sensor, into that thermal, into that incense holder, whatever you use, and you're going to light it when the moon is waxing and ideally on a Friday. And as this incense rises and the smoke goes up, give it as an offering and prayer unto God. Lord, bring to me love. Bring to me this person, whoever they are, wherever they are. Bring to me this person that I may find the love that I want, that I may find the companionship that I want, that it lead me to where I want and that I'm satisfied and I am in joy. Pray from your heart. Do this for seven days while that moon is waxing, starting with that Friday. Once you've done it for seven days, I want you on that seventh day to take the ash, a portion of it, split it in half. A portion of this wax you're going to take to the crossroads, hold in your hand, and blow to the four corners of that crossroad. Here, you are beckoning with that element of air, drawing to you this lover wherever they are. Don't blow all the ash, just some of it. Blow into the four corners, walk back to your house. Take some of that ash and grind it with some cuba berries. Crush those cuba berries. Cuba berries are really good to bring love to you quickly, but also to remove any hesitation or doubt. So the person who comes to you is ready to be with you in a meaningful relationship. There is no doubt. There is no hesitancy. It brings a willing person. Mix this together, the ash and the ground of cuba berries. Sprinkle it on your doorstep so that they may walk through your door. The rest of it, put it in that paper with your uh, qualifications, characteristics, qualities that you're looking for. Fold it into that paper and Mm -hmm. place it under your mattress in between the Brock Spring and your mattress. This way, you beckon them from the outside world using the element air, draw them into your life and into your bed using this ash mixture, using this incense, and then adding the Cuba berries. Once this person arrives in your life and you're like, ah, this is the guy, this is the one I want, then you need to feed him your sexual fluid, add a little bit to his coffee or his tea or in his food. This is to tap into the Piscean water. Uh, Those sexual fluids will bind him to you and make him a willing, open-hearted, and loving partner for you. That's my recommendation, a sort of two-part spell, drawing someone into your life with incense and beckoning them with air, and then holding them fast to you with the sexual fluid of water. Let's see if Heidi or Ms. Cat have anything further to add. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> great work and very typical, by the way, of conjurement in that it's a, a three-part spell. This is a, <laughs> I call conjurement the king very of the three-part spells, always three-part spells. It's your style. Uh, Heidi, do you have anything to add to this? You know, I don't. I think that was so beautiful and so thorough. All right, I'm going to add one thing. I would add, um, oh, you know me, I always going to add a little more herbs. I would add Damiana um, with the cubeb berries to get a sexy man if sex was on my mind. If I wanted a man who was uh, an intellectual partner, I might use some King Solomon wisdom. In other words, cubeb berries are for a a good partner, but you can modify Mm. that by adding a different herb or a couple of other herbs. So I'm a great one for Damiana for sex. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much, Lainey, for entrusting us with your question, and I hope you were uh, uh, appreciative and got something from the answers. Boy, we really uh, we found some interesting things there for you. All right. Now we're going to come up to our network schedule announcement with um, the band from outer space. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Heidi Holton of HeidiHolton.com in North Carolina. Take it away, Heidi. All right, so I have for you guys today um, a spell. It's um, called Marriage Material Baked Chicken. And this is a spell that you can do once you've found the person who you want to marry or you think you want to marry. Um, This is a spell that is going to encourage them to propose, encourage them to become marriage-minded towards you, um, and I hope you enjoy. So the materials you will need, you'll need – some marriage bath crystals, and marriage anointing oil. You'll need two pink taper candles, some paper for a name paper. I recommend using a brown bag. You'll need a red ink pen, a whole chicken, a red apple for sweetening and love, a red onion for luck and to hold on to your partner, two bay leaves for a long, successful marriage, a cinnamon stick to gently heat up your love. You'll need a pinch of basil for a happy home and family, a pinch of rosemary for faithfulness, a pinch of marjoram to enhance love and lead to marriage, a pinch of dittany of crete to cause passionate desire to develop, and you'll need some salt, pepper, and garlic powder to taste. So what you're going to do first, you're going to make your name paper. Using your red pen, write your lover's name three times. Turn the paper 90 degrees clockwise and cross their name with yours written three times. Around the crossed name in an unbroken circle, write marry me over and over without lifting your pen. Then you're going to five-spot your name paper with marriage oil. This means um, in each of the four corners, you'll put a little dot of the oil, and then you'll put a dot in the middle. Um, And then you're going to fold it in half towards you, rotate it 90 degrees, and fold it in half towards you again. At this point, you'll recite Matthew 19.6 out loud. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Write your name paper in red ink on one bay leaf and your lover's name on the other bay leaf. Kiss them both and put them together, names facing each other, and recite Psalm 8510 out loud. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Now you'll preheat your oven 
to 325 degrees Fahrenheit. And while your oven is preheating, core your red apple. In that little hole where the core came out, you're going to stuff it with the name paper, the two bay leaves, and the cinnamon stick. You'll peel and quarter your onion, rinse your whole chicken, and rub it with olive oil. Imagine that you're giving your lover a massage here. Salt and pepper the cavity of the bird, and then stuff the prepared apple and quartered onion inside. Place it in a pan. Um, sprinkle the chicken with basil, rosemary, dittany of crete, and marjoram, as well as some salt and pepper and garlic powder. Then you'll place the lid on top of your dish and put it in the oven. Set your timer for two hours. While the chicken is baking, run yourself a bath. Add in your marriage bath crystals and take a nice long soak. And here you're going to really imagine your life together with your partner. The proposal, the wedding, the honeymoon, the children, if you want to have children, all the different milestones that you guys might share together throughout your life. Imagine the two of you sitting together in old age, smiling and holding hands. When you get out of the bathtub, save a little bit of your bath water in a little dish and allow your body to air dry. Anoint your head, your heart, and your genitals with marriage oil and recite from the Song of Solomon, My beloved is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Um, Get dressed and get ready for your lover to come over. When the kitchen timer goes off, remove the lid from the chicken, baste it with the juices from the pan and a little bit of your used bath water. Let it roast uncovered for 15 to 25 more minutes until it's a nice golden brown. And while it's doing that, at this point you can prepare your sides. Maybe make some rice, steamed veggies, a green salad. You'll get bonus points if you make gravy with the juices. Once your chicken is done, take it out of the oven, remove the apple from the cavity of the bird, and put it in a little Tupperware along with the rest of the bath water that you saved in that dish. Carve up your chicken and put it on a nice plate. Set aside your wishbone. Now, before your lover arrives, you're going to set the table. Um, Anoint your pink candles with marriage oil and light them. Go into your bedroom and anoint the four corners of your bed with marriage oil. When your lover comes over, enjoy a nice meal together. Have a good night. Laugh together. Talk about the future. Then you're going to make love to your partner. After you're done, get up and go to the bathroom and wipe your mixed sexual fluids on a tissue. And then you're going to take that tissue and you're going to put it into the container with the apple. You can push it into the apple. It'll be pretty mushy at this point and that paper should go right or the tissue paper should go right in. The next morning, go to a crossroads and leave the apple there with the remainder of your bath water. And while you're standing at the crossroads, you should pray sincerely and from your heart for a union of marriage and recite from the book of Ruth. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. When you go home, 
um, a few days later, that wishbone will have dried out. Um, I usually just leave a wishbone sitting on my kitchen counter and it'll sort of dry out naturally in a couple of days. Take that wishbone, anoint it with marriage oil, and attach it to the underside of your mattress right in the center. And this spell should entice your lover to marry you. You can, um, if you are a woman doing this spell, um, you can do it just as is written. If you're a man doing this spell, um, just reverse the genders in the lines that I put in there. This, this works for both mm. men and women. Wow, that was thorough, thorough, beautiful Mm. work. I have one suggestion Um, for your vegetable, um, if you're a woman, I like to use asparagus to represent the male phallus, and um, rice Mm. is good for the female. Just a little thought. (laughs) Nice. Wow, that was beautiful, (laughs) just, just beautiful. Um, We're going to turn this over to Clifford Lowe, and he's going to give us our outro, and then we'll all come back, maybe hear an announcement, and say goodbye. Thank you, Ms. Cat and Conjure Man. Thank you, Heidi Holton of HeidiHolton.com in North Carolina for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Deacon Millett of FourAlters.org in the high desert of California on the topic of hot foot and vanishing. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and ConjureMan at ConjureManConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from CliffLowe.com. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archives via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune again once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Wow. All right. What a great show. And Heidi, we're going to have to have you on again. You come prepared with some fabulous spells. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Clifford, for being our announcer. Um, We just have time to mention that we're going to um, be making more announcements. Every other week there's going to be a video about the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. You can find them on Facebook and on Instagram. Look for these videos. They will announce the 10 workshops that are upcoming. I believe the next video will be released on Tuesday, and it will feature Papa G. So we hope to bring you a lot of information about this festival. Go to hoodooheritagefestival.com. Buy your tickets now while you can get them at the early bird price. And remember, you'll get a goodie box with about $100 worth of materials to use at the workshops as a kind of a kickback on your ticket price. So don't let the ticket price scare you off because you're going to get a real good goodie box in the mail. All right, folks, that's it for today. Let's all say good night. Good night, all. Good night. Ata. Happy Easter.